Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. Now, this week's guest has not been a guest on his own before, but he was on here recently where he teamed up with June Kim to win a staccato at Prairie Fire, Nevada. This guy, though, primarily a three-gunner, uh, but he seems to be delving closer and closer into the pistol realm because he also does PCSL as well. So with that, why don't you help me to introduce Mr. A.J. Anthony to the show. How you doing, A.J.? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Just got got off a normal day of work and hanging out now. So, AJ, if you would, um, I, I know you introduced yourself briefly before, but go mm -hmm. ahead and do it again, and then I'm going to get into the really hard questions right off the bat. Sounds good. Um, name's AJ Anthony. I've been shooting competitions for about, I think it's been about four and a half, five years now. Um, local Arizona shooter was able to come up super fast because we have we probably have the best local scene in the world just full stop. I'm super blessed to be in the area that I am because I could just shoot so much as much as I wanted, basically. It's called cheating. But, <laughs> dude, it really is. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but primarily shoot three gun, got into that first because I just happened to have the guns, found the community and it was amazing. So I just shot one match and wanted to do it as much as possible then. And uh, did that for a few years, then slowly got into, started getting into USPSA, started actually learning how to shoot a pistol, not just spray at one <laughs> like I normally did <laughs> at most of three gun matches, started getting good at that. And then uh, just, just want to shoot everything now. It's fun. Okay. All right. Well, um, I don't know if you've heard any of the other episodes, but I do start with the most difficult questions uh -oh. in the very beginning. And then <laughs> okay. the rest is... The rest is pie. Sounds good. All right. Hard question number one. Mm -hmm. Favorite movie. Ooh. It has to be John Wick 2. I mean, that's oh, actually two. what got... Two. So it's funny. I am not... I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I'm not a big movie person at all. <laughs> I cannot... That, that might be... That movie in the theater might be the last movie I actually sat down and watched in its entirety. Mm. Which was... I mean... I'm not even joking, that was before I got into shooting because that's the movie that kind of got me into shooting. Uh, and I literally, since then, I don't think I've had the time or the mental capacity to sit down and watch a movie. <laughs> I'm just okay. not the kind of person that can, but definitely two. Um, and I have, I, it's to the point where I haven't even seen three or four yet. So I need to sit down wow. and watch those. I know it's blasphemy for someone that does what I do, <laughs> but you know, interesting for sure. <laughs> Sure. Now, do you, I know you say you don't you don't go to you don't watch too many movies and stuff mm -hmm. like that? But do you ever like for me, my wife and I don't go to the theater a lot. But there mm -hmm. are certain movies that I'm like, I have to see that one in the theater first. And for an example, I love the Mission Impossible series. Mm -hmm. So every time there's a new Mission Impossible, I'm like, I've got to go see it in the theater because the special effects are just so yeah. crazy. It's like. I want to see it on a big, massive screen in front of me. Mm -hmm. No, I get that. I think if there was one, it's hard because all of the ones that I would have said yes to like five years back, like I would have said Star Wars, but I'm I'm of the I'm of the Disney killed it trope, so I haven't supported anything mm -hmm. past that. Um, probably uh, 
John Wick 4 probably would have been the one, but even then it's like, I'm just not a big crowds guy. I just like staying at home, doing my own thing, and like, I get antsy. I play I play video games too, so I get antsy if I'm just sitting sitting watching the screen doing nothing. So, <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have to go opening night either. Right, right, right. Definitely, <laughs> because that's when it's crowded. But lately, I, I don't know. I'm I'm sure it's similar where you are, but mm-hmm. in, in Phoenix or in that area in Arizona. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where I'm out here in Virginia, the the two main theaters we go to. We can buy the tickets online and reserve the seats too. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter now when we, you know, we can wait till the last second. To right. And as the long theater. as it's available. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the seats are going to be there. We know where we're sitting. So. There's a really nice theater by my house. I think that's uh, you can sit down and get like order dinner and they'll like bring mm-hmm. it to you and stuff. And it's like, that's super nice. So that's the one I go to if I am going to one, but it, like I said, it's, it's been okay. a hot minute. So. Yeah, we have one like that too. They also have a, a bowling alley there mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff. But then they have a balcony on one of their theaters. Oh, that's where, cool. So if you're an adult, they have a bar upstairs. You can you get your ticket, you go upstairs, you hang out at the bar, <laughs> you can have food, drinks, and then you can take your drinks and your food into the theater with you. So mm-hmm. that's a cool one. Okay. That that sounds really appealing, honestly, because you can just hang out, meander around, not just sit in one place the whole yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, uh, for my wife and I, I mean, we turn it into a date night. We go, we hang yeah. out, have a little meal, a little something to eat, and then we go in the theater. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Hard question number two. <laughs> I have found doing this podcast that people no longer read. But if you have read a book, <laughs> what is your favorite? Oh, man. I'm going to go with uh, what was it called? Is it around me? Uh, it was like a sports science. Uh, shoot, what was it? I'm gonna. I my default answer is gonna be the Bible because that's one. I'm a pretty devout Christian, so I I try to I actually consistently read that. that. Yeah, I I pretty consist. I somewhat consistently read it, not as much as I should be, but that's that's a regular for me. But as far as uh, I'm gonna go with. My friend recommended this one to me. It's a board business book. I have yet to finish it. I'm like two thirds of the way through, but it's called the voltage effect. And voltage effect. It's a more, it's a, it's a book on like, um, like how to filter business ideas and like, uh, how to make stuff scalable more or less. So if you have an idea, okay, cool. It's a cool idea, but how does that actually become product and how does that product actually become like something that you can sell in a large quantity, not just like not just getting stuck at an idea that you make on Etsy and then sell 10 of, and then that's it. How do you actually like get that, give that momentum, so to speak. So it's a, it's an interesting book. I need to pick it up again. I got stopped halfway through, but yeah. Okay. Number three. I don't know if you're into superheroes. If you are, who's your favorite (laughs) superhero? If not, who is your favorite historical figure? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, not super into superheroes or comics was just never got into it as a kid. Um, historical figure. I want to go with the stereotypical answer with either Eugene Stoner or John Moses Browning. Uh, but I like it. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with one of those. Let's just stick with that. Yeah. (laughs) I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Now piggybacking on that then. Mm-hmm. The next one would be your favorite gun and your favorite calibers of all time, 
but they don't have to be married together. Like your favorite sure. gun could be a 1911 because sure. of John Moses Browning or, mm -hmm. or your caliber could be six, five Creedmoor because of right. the other aspect of three gun. Right. I think that's a hard one for me. Cause I actually don't, I'm not one of your typical gun people that has a lot of, um, experience with guns in terms of like a lot of people like grew up around them shot these things as a kid their dad had this one that they gave to them so they've got a bunch of these and they bought a bunch of those like i've only really got the few guns i started with like basically three crappier versions of all my competition guns and then upgraded them and that's kind of those are kind of the only ones i have any <laughs> any experience with at all i'll say i've shot um I've shot an M249 that was like a paratrooper model that was full auto. That one was pretty sweet. Um, and it was, it was, it was, that one was just a fun gun to shoot. So I, I'll, I'll probably say that one. So and it was, a, it was, that was in 223. Yeah. I saw. Okay. Um, favorite caliber, probably 12 gauge. I'm a three gunner. So shotgun is definitely what got me into three gun and made me look at it and be like, whoa, what the heck is that? Cause everyone's seen like someone shooting a pistol or rifle, but I remember going back to the John wick two reference. I saw that he was training with Taryn uh, to mm -hmm. learn the weapon manipulations and actually make it look realistic and stuff. And then in those videos is a old Keith Garcia video on him teaching how to quad load and watching people quad loading. That's the thing that I saw. I was like, Holy crap. What is like, it just looks alien to someone that's never witnessed it before. So I just wanted to get into that and I saw it was three gun and then that's when I got into everything and it was fun. So quad loading. I thought mm -hmm. that was just a heavy squat. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Oh man. <laughs> has multiple meanings. Yep. <laughs> Probably even has some inappropriate ones that we oh, can't I'm talk sure. about. I'm, I'm sure. not I'm not aware of any, but I'm sure there is. It's probably a movie right. in some dictionary. So the the fifth and final hard question mm -hmm. that I throw out at the guest is so you live in Arizona. What's the most exciting thing you've done in Arizona? Hmm. Exciting thing. I'm, I'm, I don't want to go with just shooting matches. Cause that's just obvious. That's a silly answer. Um, that's just, I'm having to like filter. I've lived here my whole life. So that's a, a lot of memory <laughs> to go through. Hold on. Um, well, for, you know, now, now, we got to be careful that if your parents were to actually listen to this, oh no, I want to give nah. away any secrets. <laughs> There's nothing like that. Um, I am having trouble coming up with something just because there's. I mean, okay, it's me, basically like what's the most exciting then. thing. Okay, all right. Let's say I'm going to area two, but I'm mm -hmm. going to be there for a full week. Okay, Dave, you need to go experience this mm -hmm. while you're here in Arizona. What would you say? I would honestly say, and it's not, it's not, it's not exciting in any aspect, but I would just say, uh, go hiking. Cause we have some of the most different, uh, like scenery. And especially if you're coming during area two, it's actually kind of nice during area two. It's not the hot season. So, um, right. It's, it's only a hundred degrees. It's not <laughs> basically, so yeah, <laughs> but, um, no, we just have unbelievable, views and hiking just where whatever direction you go in, you could pretty much drive until you're at city limits or like edge of the city and then there's probably a really good hiking trail that's super nice and just relaxing or all the way up to like a super difficult like backpacking trip <laughs> so depending on what okay. you have time for that's i'd recommend doing that kind of a thing in arizona primarily okay yeah that mm -hmm. would definitely be after the new knee yeah 
Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, you'd want to do it before area two, too, because you'd be too tired after area two. You wouldn't want to do anything. <laughs> gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. Now that we have all the tough questions out of the way, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> now we know who AJ is. Yep. Um, so let's let's talk about it. You just made the comment that you're not like the typical shooter where who you grew up around guns. So mm-hmm. if you didn't grow up around guns, what was your first introduction to guns? First introduction to guns was probably I think I was 15 or 16, and I had a buddy that um it was kind of your normal like hey like he grabbed a few friends that had never shot guns before. I had a, I had some history with airsoft as a lot of kids do. Um, I was into that from like probably 10 to 15, 16 sort of a thing. Um, but he just grabbed a bunch of buddies and said, Hey, like you guys have never been shooting before. We're going to go shooting and I'm going to show you how to do this stuff. And it was a good time. He just had like a, a normal Glock. I think he had a, he had an AR that was a, it had an EOTech with a magnifier behind it. And then a, like a basic pump shotgun. And it was just a good time. We went to Ben Avery, um, just shot a bunch of stuff, hung out afterwards. It was good. So that was my first introduction where I was like, ah, these are cool. Okay. You know, um, and past that, uh, the next experience I had was buying my first one when I kind of got the inkling to, it was a, uh, it was just a normal AR. I just wanted to do an AR build. I saw, um, T-Rex arms on YouTube and saw him like doing actual training and stuff, not just like silly range day stuff and i was like oh that actually looks cool it's like a thing you can get better at you're not just like shooting stuff for no reason and then putting it away (laughs) like a lot of videos are so decided i wanted to try that ended up building a midwest industries ar just like off of parts and i like i went to a gun store and bought a spikes tactical lower and all the parts i needed to and put it together myself figured it out and that was probably the second like introduction to guns so were you 21 when you did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was living I was living with my buddy at the time, so I think I was 20 I would have been 23, I think. Or no, 20 22, I think I was. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you build your first AR. Mm-hmm. Um how So at that point is that all you had was the uh, well other than the Glock. Mm-hmm. Um Did you have a shotgun at I, that point? didn't so there was about probably about a year where i was just shooting that i was just going out into the desert like four peaks like just uh what do you call it government land and just or blm land and then just going and shooting targets like i bought some made some cardboard targets was shooting practicing draws like the normal kind of like stuff was doing that like whenever i could on the weekends for about like a year and you know it was getting okay i was better than your like average person that is into guns but nothing super noteworthy so i was just doing that and then uh i think it was a little bit into that journey that i saw john wick 2 and then saw the three gun training was like oh my god that looks like so much fun oh wow there's a lot of it around here and i did some research i was like okay i need to get a shotgun at some point and uh kind of put that on the back burner just because it was it was uh just something cool that i saw and didn't know where to go with it then but eventually, a few months later, I ran into the, there's a local shop here that was just having a big blowout sale. There was some guy's collection that they were just selling um, for him, like they were liquidating it for him. So stuff was super cheap. And I picked up a uh, Benelli M1 
for mm. a really good I think I got it for like it, it would it might have been like 800 bucks or something and it, you could tell the thing was never fired because I realized I had to break it in because it was having si it was having a lot of feeding issues when I was first shooting it but I realized that's because it had literally probably never been shot and it had to break in so then I just wow. from there went to my first three gun match and it's rest is history kind of a thing so so how, <laughs> how old were you for you for your first three gun I think I was what year was that? I want to say that was probably 2018. So I would have been, I think I would have been 23 or 24, somewhere in there. Okay. So not too long after building your AR. No, not, not, not super long at all. Maybe like six, eight months. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, Three gun is by far the most expensive of the shooting sports. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to have shotgun ammo, <clears throat> rifle ammo, pistol ammo, three different guns, gear set up for different things. Yep. What made you decide to do three gun instead of something that's a little less expensive? So I think I didn't even realize that there were other three gun was my first experience and my first, um, just my first exposure because I saw uh, the Terran videos and I saw um, I, I just searched that when I was doing some res cursory research online. Uh, it was really hard to find information on it. Was, it's a very niche thing. So there were like some shooting clubs that had matches, but getting from there to uh, actually figuring out how to sign up for one was kind of a pain, not knowing anybody in the community. Because um, for those of you that do shoot matches, you know how weird practice score is and how how crazy it like it is to sign up for stuff. And like if you're just someone that's outside looking in, it looks like a complete crapshoot trying to get in, and it kind of is sometimes. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But trying to just trying to figure all that out solo, I didn't even know pistol only matches existed. I probably would have tried that first had I known, um, but it just worked out that the first match I could go to that looked like a thing that I wanted to do and that was in my schedule was a three gun match. So that's just what I did. And I just brought what I had. So I had just a literally normal belt, not even anything crazy. I had my old airsoft mag pouches that I used <laughs> and I just put shotgun shells in my pockets and that's what I ran. <laughs> and okay. went from there. Cause I didn't, I didn't even know like what I needed gear wise so i figured i'm just gonna go and i'm gonna talk to people and figure it out if i want to get into this more and that's what happened so yeah your first match was it an all-day event um not quite all day it was a local rio i found there was one time i found it in practice score i'm kind of curious if i can find it really quick i'm not gonna look for very long um it was just a local rio three gun event that they do every month and I remember it very clearly because it was monsoon season here and it was crazy pouring rain. Like I had to, it's the Rio's like 20, 30 minutes away from me. I had to pull over halfway getting there because I couldn't drive because wow. the rain was coming down so hard. So in my head, I'm thinking like, okay, there's no freaking way they're still doing this. But I had like made it more than halfway. So I was like, I'm just going to go see it. At least I'll figure out where the range is for the next time or whatever. Um, but lo and behold, I get there and everyone's doing it like psychopaths. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. I'm in like, whatever this is, I'm in. 
Um, and I remember because they have um, at Rio, at least there's the four pistol bays and then there's some seating behind bays three and four that has some like metal sheeting over it for uh, like shade. And the rain was coming down so hard that you couldn't see. It was like a wall of water and you couldn't see past it. Like it was <laughs> it was raining that much. It was it was kind of nuts. And I didn't have any rain gear, so I was just getting soaked. But it was, you know, it was a bunch of people around guns. It was fun. Um, let me see if I can. I don't think I'm going to be able to find it. Yeah, I see 2018. So when you finished the match, you were automatically like, yep, I'm doing this again. Oh, yeah. It was, it was just one of those, like, it was the most, probably the most fun I've had doing anything ever. Um, and I was just like, do you guys all do this like every other weekend? Okay. I'm in like, I'm going to figure out how to do this more and then just do it. But <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's, it, it, it was, it was pretty simple in my monkey brain. It was just, that sounds fun. Let's do it. All right. So you went into your first match, not even knowing what you really needed. Mm -hmm. So I assume you took your Glock. Mm-hmm. You took your AR that you built. Yep. And your M1. Yep. Okay. At the end of the day, what were you like? Yep, this is good. This is not. Um. What's funny is I think I ran. I I knew I needed quad load caddies, and someone let someone actually let me borrow them for the first for that map. But it was pointless because I had no no idea what the hell I was doing. So I like I like grabbed someone. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I just went back to the, the dump pouch that I had a bunch of shells in. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I immediately figured out where I could get some quad load caddies. That was probably the biggest one. But it was also goofy because I had uh, there were probably for the first eight. No, probably for the first like eight months to a year, I only had, um, cause it was a pistol grip model. So it was a, it wasn't a short barrel. It was a 16 inch, but it was a, it was a pistol grip with the stock. So you couldn't, uh, for those of you that know what, how quad loading works, you couldn't, we can load because the pistol grip got in the way. So you could only strong hand load on the shoulder. And you also just, you couldn't just go in because you had to go around the pistol grip. So it was just awful. Like it was, oh, wow. <laughs> it, it was, I just dealt with it for a while because I didn't know any better and I wasn't going to spend a whole bunch of money on something before I knew what I was doing. Uh, but I just went with it. It was fun. Um, I was shooting in tack ops, so I didn't need a bunch. I didn't need to buy a bunch of other external gear. Like I would have, if I shot an open, like a bipod or like a secondary red dot or like all that stuff. So really, I think the only thing I upgraded was the quad load caddies for a while. Um, and probably a, probably a belt too. I think I used, instead of a normal belt, I used a different airsoft tactical belt that was a little stiffer to hold my stuff better, but that was what I used for a little bit for the first couple matches. Um, and then actually going off of that, that's kind of where I got introduced to the, to the community and how cool it is. So, um, the first match was at Rio. Second match was another local range that hosts a lot of stuff called Cowtown around us. Um, that match was actually where I kind of met a lot of the crew that I still roll with um, to this day, if I can. Like, if, we're, if we all are shooting the same match, we generally try to squad together. Um, 
one of the dudes in particular, his name's Tony Owens, just, I still call him my like three gun sensei, so to speak, because <laughs> it was like <laughs> my second match. The group he was with was super cool. Um, I can still remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, him, Kim, Cody, Kayla, like just the regular crew that they were all rolling with it was super fun. And uh, the second match, I think I did at Cowtown. So it was, they were all monthly matches. Um, I ended up not, I might have gotten first in TAC or something, or I, I did pretty well in TAC. Um, for my second match, and he kind of made the comment like, oh, you tactical guys aren't supposed to be beating us competition guys, because I had like my old airsoft gear on, and I kind of looked tactical, not, not even. <laughs> it was just, a, he was joking more than anything, but it was just funny. So he was like, hey, like, just come over to my house sometime and let me, like, build you a rifle. You look like you're getting into it. You're good. Like, and I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. So I, and this is like the second time I'm hanging out with this guy. And then it like works out. I go to his house. He helps me figure out stuff I need. He's got all sorts of stuff that he just gave me that I needed. Um, I actually still, I think I still have the rifle. Yeah. So this was like my first, oh, my first rifle. He built, he, he just built me an upper with a better handguard, better barrel. And, uh, okay. he, he was all like, he just set me up basically with the rifle. And, uh, I, this thing still probably is that a break really on the end. It is this one. Uh, this is an MD uh, SJC Titan. This this wasn't on the gun. I just had a normal like arrow. Okay. VG six, I think, was the one I had for a while. I forget what we put on there when he built me this, but I don't think it was this. Um, but no, he just had like because he had he's the kind of guy that was like a barrel has 4,000 rounds and he replaces it because he wants it to be more accurate. So he has just like a, a few of them laying around that are doing nothing but collecting dust. So he just threw one in a random upper for me. And that was that. So he's been one of my best friends to this day. I still go to him if I need to build something and need help figuring something out or we're just hanging out shooting matches together. Um, but no, this is still the rifle. So you can see how beat up it is just from... And actually, this is my oh, original... Man. This is my original lower two from that... Uh, from that Midwest Industries gun, you can see how beat up oh, it is wow. just from sling manipulations okay. and stuff. Um, right. But yeah, this thing is still good too. Oh, I haven't shot it in a long time. But so, what? All right. Now, I mean, I don't know if you still shoot a Glock, but um, mm -hmm. with the rifle, obviously mm -hmm. you've you've kind of upgraded, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um but what about what was your initial optic that you had on there and what do you have on there now um what did i have on there i think i had i actually might have it all here he had no idea this was show and tell so i had a uh one of the old original um vortex it was it's the model that's below the viper the viper is kind of their midline model um okay so like an entry model vortex yeah okay they they recent the strike eagle that's what it was um oh, okay yeah one of the old strike eagle one to eights i think um and this was before they redid them they're actually really good now they weren't super good back then um but it worked and it was what i had and that's what i ran for a while um i didn't actually change that for a couple of years, I changed to a uh, a Viper 
PST Gen okay. 2 um, like a couple of years in just because it was a little bit, it was a clear, it was just better glass, but it wasn't that much different. So still an LPVO. Mm-hmm. Still an LPVO. Okay. It's a little better. What's the, um, the range on it? Still um, yeah, it was a, actually, what is it? Uh, just throw it. It's still this one. It's a, this one was a one to six actually. Yeah. Oh, so just okay. six. Um, All right. Then for now, for a while, uh, I've had just what well, actually what you see in that picture right there is just the uh, God, I'm blank. The Razor, the Razor Gen 2, um, which is literally just a better version of this. Like even the reticle is the same, the magnification is the same. It's just a better version of the Viper. And then, uh, yeah, that's still what I run today. And uh, might be changing that soon. We'll see. Uh, but it's still it's still been good. Okay. What's the, in your three-gun stuff, mm-hmm. what's the farthest you've engaged a target during a three-gun match? Mm. Uh, it's probably Texas three-gun. We had to shoot, I want to say there was a 700-yard target. That was a full size, full size zip six steel at uh, seven hundred yards. So you gotta, was... you're going to need to send that back to get. <laughs> no, I, I don't know why I'm going to throw this thing on a gun. Uh, there weren't these good though, so you can send it back. It's good. Well, and the reason I'm asking is mm-hmm. one to six is a pretty low, you know, a lower power. Mm-hmm. Um, how was it using that six power at seven hundred yards? Oh, it's it's honestly very. It's just, it's very doable and fine for three gun targets. Um, there's a match that we shoot locally every month called Accurized AR. It's at Cowtown, the same range I was just talking about. And they'll be putting stuff anywhere from uh, 200, 150 yards that are like a, sing- a one MOA target all the way out to like 700 yards. It's a full size steel. And 6x i've always felt is um plenty for that kind of target um it's definitely the minimum you if you're going 4x you're you're having a hard time seeing stuff but 6x i've always felt is kind of the sweet spot especially because with the um with the razor me being in tac ops and now modified we don't have the 45 dot so we need a, a scope that's uh daylight bright essentially for the dot that we have to aim with when we're shooting at close paper. And that's one of the only models on the market that's really bright enough for Arizona. Cause a lot of other scopes, it doesn't really matter how bright it gets. Cause um, every scope is bright enough for 90% of places. But when you're talking about Arizona and you're like how bright it is outside with the like light tan sand that we have contract, like not even contrasting with the cardboard targets, um, you need a crazy bright center dot. Like the, like the razor is one of the brightest ones there is, and it's still barely bright enough for where we're at on max uh, max power. So okay, so you're not talking about the brightness or the light gathering capability of the scope. No, you're just talking the, the actual dot itself. Mm-hmm, the dot itself, so it doesn't and, get washed out. Right, so you can actually okay. use it. And then, as far as long range goes, um, I've always felt six X is enough for three gun. Uh, definitely. I totally understand if someone wants eight instead of six, there's a lot of people that move to the 10 and I get it. If you're an open shooter, um, because you can kind of set that magnification on whatever you want and just use a red dot for everything else. But, um, 
I think the six is still probably this the the best one for right now. I'm I'm working on some stuff where I'm going to be changing to an eight, uh, but we're going to see how that goes. I don't I don't even have the stuff ordered yet, so I don't want to talk about it, and I don't have any experience with it. But um, six has been fine for three gun because you're shooting at full targets, and uh, usually that it makes it a lot easier to spot too. A lot of people get sucked into the reticle at ten x. And uh, you can like it can be very hard to lose or very easy to lose where you're pointing and where you're at. So six X kind of keeps you from that too. Well, I mean, then that part of my question was going to be: Do you shoot with one eye or both eyes open? Uh, long range, definitely. I'll open both eyes when I'm kind of like adjusting to find the target, and then I'll close one eye to uh, shoot. And then uh, close stuff. So at one X or like. Um, like one to two X, I have both eyes open. If it's like a steel that I'm, it's like medium distance that I'm at three X, I'll probably close one eye. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now what's the average for just a regular three gun? Mm -hmm. Um, what range would you expect to engage rifle targets? Like 300, 400? That is actually super, um, range dependent and location dependent because I could tell you. Arizona had Cowtown and uh, Rio specifically. Rio pretty consistently has at least one or two targets at like 350, maybe 400. And then Cowtown pretty consistently will have a target or two at four or 500 for whatever, if they throw long range in the stage. Um, but I know of plenty of places in the US that the longest they have is 100 yards for their bays, and then that's the max you're going to get. So they're going to make the target smaller, but it's only going to be 100 yards. Um, so it's it's really it's really range and location dependent, depending on where you're at. Okay. Because I know in the locals at Texas, they throw 500, 600 yards or something all the time uh, for their local matches. So. Okay, so there's going to be multiple questions with that then. Uh, okay. And I want to go... We're going to travel back in time a few minutes. <laughs> sure. You said the guy who's uh, a good friend who built mm-hmm. that upper, he changes out his barrels every 4,000 rounds to mm-hmm. for, for maximum accuracy. Yeah, 4 to 6,000. Yeah. So what type of accuracy are you guys trying to target in order to be accurate enough on, in a match? I think that... It really comes down to the person and how like anal and picky you want to be with your stuff. Um, I'm of the more picky variety and even going into it, I kind of understood the more accurate the gun is, the less accurate I have to be like the less, the more slump I have as a shooter. So I was always kind of, and I, there was a whole journey in there too, where like, I think the first two years, year and a half, I wasn't hand loading. I was just buying Walmart ammo, but um somewhere in there tony's also got me into reloading taught me everything i needed to know about it gave me like the basic stuff to start doing it and then i kind of went on my own uh journey with that figuring out how to do load workups and uh ladder testing and like figuring out stuff for different guns and blah 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 um but i would say starting out don't worry about it 3moa which is about a three inch group at a hundred yards, that's going to be perfectly acceptable for three gun and what you're trying to do. And most, most guns with factory ammo, three MOAs. A lot of people would call that a bad group and it's certainly not a good group, but it's definitely going to get you where you need to go. Um, Cause people, people overestimate like a three MOA group at 500 yards, that's 15 inches. That's still less wide than the target is most of the time at that distance. So you're fine. 
you don't need to overthink it. Um, but I'll probably typically shoot for MOA or sub MOA by a little bit um, in my ARs nowadays, just to give myself everything I can. Okay. Uh, I started off in long range stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I see that. I mean, that's just an off. I actually traded for this. So this is a Savage BA10 and 6.5 Creed. And okay. By hand loading, I got it down to 0.32 MOA. Oof. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For me, if it doesn't shoot sub half MOA, mm-hmm. then I, for PRS I'm not, specifically, you I'm mean? Not, well, just anything from a hundred to wherever I want mm-hmm. to engage, because I know that I am the weakest link. Yep. In that system, so the more accurate I can make that thing, like you said, mm-hmm. then it gives me more to work with for me, and yep. uh, environmental conditions yep. that I run into. Totally. No. And I guess it shows you how I literally noticed how picky I am with my stuff because that's an auto trickler that I've had for a couple of years now. And that's been great. So that's most three gunners do not have an auto trickler. I will tell you that right now. So (laughs) that is that is the level of picky I am with my ammo for sure. So it takes me one minute for every round that I load. Yeah, I believe that. I think I timed it. It I do mine in batches of 100 and it took me from start to end. I think it takes me about two hours for every hundred because I have to uh, like resize prime and then I chamfer and debird a case mouth and then trickle this and then hand load. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a painstaking process. Yep. It's not like nine mil where you just put it in. Oh, the no. And let it go. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, that's yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm of one of those. I'm one of those people that never loads in big batches because I'm lazy and I just load right before the match. So I just load 200 rounds before like the night before a match and then it's fine. <laughs> I need to do better at that, but yeah, you can just do that. You can't do that with long range. All right. So let's, now I want to talk about a little bit of training with, and and I'm sticking with rifle right now Mm -hmm. because I I think in three gun, I don't, I don't think the shotgun would be that difficult. The pistol wouldn't be that difficult, but the rifle brings in some interesting factions of shooting that Mm -hmm. most people don't run into. Sure. And, and the, and those are your environmental conditions. So Mm -hmm. I'll say, I'll say before we move on from that, noting with shotgun, the biggest upgrade I ever did was just getting the loading port cut by someone that was competent. That took my game from zero to a hundred really quick with shotgun, like learning how to quad load and like, you can work around a stock port or like a really crappy port, but, um, I sent mine into, I sent mine into Roth and that's still, I still actually shoot. My M1 is actually still my primary shotgun that I shoot in matches. And it's been completely redone a bunch of times. Um, but I sent it into Roth precision. They don't actually do custom stuff anymore. I think they just sell their own, um, their own M2 model that they just make from scratch and you just buy the gun from them. Uh, but back when they were doing gunsmithing, I sent it into them and they did an awesome job. So that like took my shotgun from zero to hundred really quick. And then for pistol, um, Pistol, you can get away with a lot, depending on how good you are. I was not good. I hated the Glock for a while, and I ended up just buying an STI. <laughs> I just went full bore, and then that's that improved my game. Um, I'll say don't jump straight into that, because you definitely should figure out where you're deficient as a shooter first, and it's actually easier to do that with a bad gun. Uh, but once I figured that out, I was like, okay, I'm sick of this Glock. I need something better. <laughs> so I went with an STI. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, back but- to ARs. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll get back into the, I don't know how much we'll talk about the, the shotgun. 
Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we'll get into some more pistol stuff. But the rifle. So out west, you have you have some pretty thick with the heat that you guys have. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of heat coming off the ground. Um, I'm sure that if you're not at least kneeling, it's almost impossible to shoot by laying on the ground because of the mirage at times. But Mm -hmm. how, what type of training do you do one to get comfortable with the wind Mm -hmm. and two mirage? The wind one is actually a really big one for me right now. And one that I don't actually have a good answer to, uh, it's very difficult to, I guess the days I practice, hopefully there is wind if I'm practicing long range, so I can practice that. Most of the time there isn't. Arizona isn't a crazy windy place, especially the time of day that I can usually make it out to practice. It's usually like late afternoon, early evening. So it's just not, it's usually not windy by that time of day. Um, But the one thing I probably am going to start doing is um, having a buddy turn. uh, This was a tip I got from... I can't remember who I got this from, actually. Um, but basically, you have a friend turn your uh, windage any number of between, like, basically between zero and maybe 1.5 mils um, without you looking. And then you have to shoot, see where your thing is or where your bullet ends up impacting and course correct immediately. And that lets you get some good, like, uh, shot calling. And because it's not like. Uh, it's very hard in three gun specifically to see trace. Like that's a big thing in PRS when you can actually see your trace and right. kind of self adjust from there. We usually can't do that based on like with the magnifications and the uh, targets we're shooting at. So we need to just be able to course correct a lot of the time with just off of impact. So that's a kind of good practice method is having a buddy just not tell you how much he's adjusting it and then uh, try to hit the target on the follow up shot based on the splash. Um, but with the wind one's hard. I have I don't have a lot of practice with that. I think most of the practice I have is just reading Mirage and then trying to make a shot call based on that. So the different angles depict like varying degrees of uh, wind wind values, and just trying to go off of that is probably the only ex- the real experience I have uh, based on that. You, there was a second part to your question, though. I think you said. Uh, it was the mirage and wind, what type of right. training you're doing for that stuff. But yeah, if you don't have the wind, that makes it difficult mm-hmm. to actually get out there and practice reading it. Because that's where, um, like this picture right here is the thousand yard line in mm-hmm. Quantico. And, you know, we, we had a couple of cider rounds we could use. But Cider? Yeah. Oh, cider. So, never mind. I know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I, I, I heard what you said as like apple cider, and I was like cider. What? Oh, <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah, and you drink a little bit, and then you're better. Yep. yep. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, even then, you're you're still making a wind call before mm-hmm. you fire a single shot, so that you're at least close. Um, right. But without wind, man, that's that's a difficult thing to do. So So. it's it's definitely a a thing that's come up before, because when you talk about places like here, it's hard to because we usually have a really good dirt berm, probably more than 80 percent of the time that you can hear you can see a splash off of and kind of whether or not you can see or feel the wind you see you're missing for like three feet right and you have to adjust. Um, But there's places like Texas that's been a struggle because 
you're shooting at an Ipsic that's just in a, either a field of grass on the other side of a ravine or into trees mm -hmm. and you're looking, you can see the Ipsic, but you're never going to see the splash. So you do have to be able to course correct based on where you think the wind is and start walking your shot in. Um, so it's, it's a hard skill. That's probably, probably the biggest skill that's like or the hardest skill that there is to master in three gun, I would say. Okay. And that's why I was asking earlier too, like, what do you think the average is? Cause out to 300 yards, mm -hmm. 350. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. I'm never holding more than edge of target for a C zone at 300. So. Okay. What are you running bullet wise out of your rifle? That's a, actually, it's actually a very interesting question right now. So for the last while I've been just running a 77 SMK um out of my bullet wow, heavy. or out of my round yeah there's a lot of guys that will go there's a there's like a few subsets of people there's the subset that only shoots 55 at everything and they make it work and Ugh. i wish okay. them the best i can't do that <laughs> i can't process <laughs> I'm not a fan. That. Uh -uh. um and there's the subset of people that will shoot you know they'll have their hoser ammo and then they'll have their precision ammo um i'm i'm one of those people and then 77 is just what i landed on just because it it was there's some places i think that it's actually in the rules that 77 is the heaviest because they you can get an 80 you can get a 90 um for 223 but i think they keep it they they limit the, they limited it out of 77 because that's kind of the most popular heavy one and they don't want it to get ridiculous with like how people are gaming their rifles because you could probably get your your ar chambered in some goofy 223 wildcat load where there's a bigger case and it's like a hundred grain 223 right. book, like that kind of crap so i think they just did that to keep that out of it um but 77 is what i've been shooting and 55 grain just uh whatever 55 grain i can get a hold of berries is what i currently shoot but that's i can get it at a good price and it's it's been pretty consistent uh but right now i'm actually transitioning into trying to do some load development for ipsic style shooting instead of three gun where accuracy matters a lot more you're shooting 300 yards ish on paper some a lot of the time and uh your recoil management matters a lot more because it's it's not just one steal you have to hit you're usually putting you're putting two on target as fast as you can so follow-up shots matter and um the consistency with um where your zero is because if you have two rent two two different ammos you're only you are, you're only able to zero for one and you're obviously zeroing for the one with more accuracy but with ipsic you need to have them both very consistent so it's finding a combination of stuff that actually zeroes consistently and uh i've been shifting to i'm probably in the the mental shift for now of um shifting to 52 grains uh smk boat tails for my hoser and then 69 grains to lessen the recoil impulse and kind of have a flatter trajectory. Um, it's, you're, it's getting into the weeds a lot, but I, I think that's where I'm going right now, but not sure yet. I actually just did the first load workup, uh, actually literally yesterday of all of that. So I'm in the first round of testing all that stuff and seeing what I like. So, so I want to get back to, cause I was going to say, I, to me, 77 is pretty heavy, mm -hmm. reduces how much you can put in the casing. Um, I feel like 69 is a very good, it's right between that 62 and the 77. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's a good, yeah. happy, 
You can get some good velocity, especially if you don't have much windage training, you can really kind of spice up that round a little mm -hmm. bit to help with that. I think the reason I ended up on 77s, if I remember right, I, the advice I got from my one buddy, Tony, who was telling me how to like do my initial, just the initial guy that taught me everything, just I just to buy a bunch of factory ammo of different different brands and different weights and see what the gun liked more and then just mm. try to replicate that. And okay. initially at that point, the 77 was the only one that uh, it ended up liking because I had a bunch of 69 grains and a bunch of 77 grains. And it seemed like the 77s just consistently grouped more. It Looking back, okay. it probably was due to the twist rate that I had and the length and a couple other stuff. I didn't know that at the time. So I just went with that. And then at that point, it was kind of a uh, cool. This works. Why am I going to change it? You know, it, this is what people don't. If they're not shooting three guns, so if you're not mm -hmm. shooting beyond three hundred yards, right? Oh, you never have to get into any of this, and your life exactly. is so much easier. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, yeah. it's so much. This is easier. where I think, as a three gunner, for you, okay. So you you had to learn how to manipulate the shotgun. Mm -hmm. Um, the pistol's got to be the easiest. I actually, I would argue that for three gun rifle, that is, I think, uh, where am I going with this? Two things. I think it's really more, more close. I would consider the sport more four gun than three gun. Cause I think close range rifle and long range rifle are two completely different things. So in my head, I okay. treat it as four different skill sets. And, um, I think pistol it's until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.